0: leaders. You're listening to the Leading Her Way podcast, where you learn how to use your feminine strengths to think, act, and become the executive leader you've always wanted to be, while laughing, loving, and living life to the fullest. I'm your host, Dr. Nicole Bryan. I built my career from the streets of Brooklyn to the boardroom as a three-time Fortune 500 executive. Welcome to this shared space designed just for us to openly discuss topics at the intersection of leadership and womanhood that will help you grow your career and lead boldly. All right, let's get this conversation started. Okay, party people, we are here for episode nine of the Leading Her Way podcast. Now, I don't know about you, but this season, for some reason, has been unusually tough for me. I live in the Washington, D.C. area of the U.S., and here we have seasons that change. And right now, we're transitioning from summer to fall, which means that there's less light during the daytime hours. The weather is getting colder, and it also means that the winter holidays are approaching. Now, I know that many people struggle with seasonal affective disorder. I never have, but this season has given me a glimpse of what those that do experience. So if you're someone who struggles with depression or seasonal affective disorder or any other mood adjustment issues, just know that I see you. Now, today I want to share a cautionary tale about executive presence. And I also want to share three things you can do if you want to improve your executive presence. Now, you probably already know by now that I'm not into people or company bashing on this podcast. My sole goal with Leading Her Way is to share what I've learned over the years about leadership and the world of work to help you achieve your professional goals, period. But I'm not one of those people who believes that the establishment is always wrong and individuals are always right, nor do I believe the reverse. I don't do conspiracy theories. I'm a researcher and a data girl. So as much as humanly possible, I deal with reality and facts. But the truth of the matter is that sometimes perception is reality, right? And we can debate all day who's right or wrong. Or we can figure out how to deal when we find ourselves in those situations. Which leads me to today's topic, executive presence. Now I'm going to start out with a true story about a woman named Jenna. Jenna worked at a company for 18 years. It was a financial services company. During that time, she had many different roles. She worked on the front lines. She worked in operations in the back office. She had a stint in marketing. She worked in human resources. And Jenna had a career goal to head up a department. She had solid experience and ideas because she had the opportunity to work across so many different disciplines, right? And across so many different divisions in the company. But her situation was really classic, where she was a high performer. She worked hard. People recognized her for that. She had great ideas, but she was not considered high potential. And the feedback that she was given was that she wasn't high potential because she didn't have enough or strong enough executive presence. She was asking for feedback, but all of the feedback that she received was very vague and broad. None of it was actionable. Now that's when I met her. She came into my office crying at one year end. Like, so after she had her performance review one year, she approached me. And it was after she had gotten feedback from her boss at the time. And I shared with her then many of the things I'm going to share with you today. Now, the company actually believed in her enough to invest in her. They gave her a speech coach after I coached her to actually ask for that. They invested money and time. They gave her money to get a speech coach. They actually secured the speech coach for her and they gave her time off of work to work with the speech coach. And then later, they also got her a leadership coach and did the same thing. They paid for it and they gave her time out of her workday to meet with the leadership coach. And things actually improved. They improved so much that she was promoted to leadership a small team. But the career growth she experienced was very slow. So the first 10 or 11 years that she was with the company, she was hitting all of these roadblocks. She was getting feedback, but the feedback was about her executive presence, but the feedback was not actionable. Then finally, after I helped her think things through and ask the right questions, she got actionable feedback. The company invested in a couple of coaches for her and things improved. But by this time, so much time had passed. Her career had grown much slower than she had anticipated or wanted, and other people who came into the company after her were already accelerating at a quicker speed. This is my cautionary tale of what happens when you are given feedback about your executive presence, but you don't necessarily know how to deal with that feedback, nor do you know what actions you need to take. Now, I will be the first to say that executive presence is very real, and I fully believe that it is a necessary skill to move into the senior ranks of any organization. But if I asked you to tell me right now what executive presence is, what would you say? I guarantee that you just came up with an executive presence definition that's very different from what everyone else listening did. And why is that? It's one of those things that can seem too intangible to grasp, which often means it can be hard to develop and embody this critical leadership capability. And it's because of this intangibility that some will try to gaslight you. Now, if you're not familiar with the term gaslighting, it's a form of psychological abuse where a person causes someone to question their sanity, their memories, or perception of reality. People who experience gaslighting may feel confused or anxious or even unable to trust themselves. So some examples of being gaslighted at work when it comes to executive presence will be like someone is lying about what happened, whether it's your boss or someone else who's giving you feedback. It could be a colleague. It could be, you know, your boss's boss could be someone in a meeting. But what they are doing is lying about what happened. So maybe you were doing a presentation. They said you said one thing where in reality, you said something completely different. So they are lying about what happened. Another example of being gaslighted would be if someone accuses you of mistakes that you know you did not make, right? Maybe you're working on a project with a large team. The project lead mentions that because of your errors, the project was delayed for two weeks and you know that you did not make any of the mistakes that they are pointing out. Another example of how you might be gaslighted at work is when someone refuses to listen to your concerns. So maybe your boss gives you some feedback and you want to express your own concerns about what you're experiencing and they don't even give you the floor to talk about it. They refuse to take your meeting. They won't listen to what you have to say. All of those are different examples of being gaslighted and you can see how when it comes to executive presence, it is even more exacerbated. Unfortunately, I've seen how executive presence or the lack thereof is often weaponized against individuals and groups, including women. The perfect example is the story that I told earlier about Jenna. You get passed over for higher roles and often don't get clear feedback about why from decision makers. The gaslighting comes from the vague rejection feedback, the kind that's not actionable. It leaves you feeling hopeless and disempowered and even feeling as if you have no way to improve for the next chance. But there's actually good news. Once you know what executive presence is and what the components are, it's actually possible to build the skills that are required to create true executive presence. At its core, executive presence is about your ability to inspire confidence in those around you confidence in your team that you're the leader they want to follow, confidence amongst your peers that you're capable and reliable, and critically for your career. It's inspiring confidence amongst senior leaders that you have the potential to do great work and make a significant contribution to the organization, even more so and at a higher level than you already are. Look, many important decisions at work happen when you're not around discussions about you, your potential, and your career at the company are taking place between leaders, your mentors, and your sponsors. This is one of the reasons why you need executive presence because it can play a huge role in determining which opportunities you get access to. We also know that the more significant the opportunity and the more senior you are in your career, the more important executive presence becomes. The most common executive presence definition that is is generally accepted, exists, and was developed by Dr. Sylvia Ann Hewlett. She defined it in three different ways, or as having three different components. And she did actually rank them in the order of importance. The first is gravitas, the second is communication, and the third is appearance. Now let's break down each one of these a little bit more. Gravitas, which is defined as how you act, is, according to Dr. Sylvia, the most important of the three components. When you think about gravitas, you can think about it in terms of confidence and poise, being graceful under fire, being decisive, having integrity, your emotional intelligence, the strength of your reputation. All of these things exemplify gravitas. The second component of executive presence is communication, which is defined as how you speak. You need to be able to inspire your colleagues and your team with clarity and confidence. It's one of the most critical ingredients for getting your point across and managing your agenda with your peers and senior leadership, as well as with clients, customers, and partners. Now, in full disclosure, and I've said it before on the podcast, this piece, the communication piece, the speaking piece, is the hardest one for me. So out of all three of the components, speaking or I should say communicating through speech is the one that I've had to work very, very hard at developing. And I'm still working at it. Moving on to the third component of executive presence, it's appearance. It's important to note here, though, that appearance may not be what you think. And this comes up all the time in my On Her Rise module on this topic and the group coaching calls. Appearance as part of executive presence is not about showing up in a way that makes you feel inauthentic or uncomfortable. It is, however, about making sure your appearance is appropriate for the situation you're in. So for example, you may show up for a Zoom call in a t-shirt and jeans, but the next day when you go into the office and you go in for a leadership meeting of general managers in suits wearing the same jeans and t-shirt, it's about appropriateness for the situation. But it doesn't mean you can't be authentic and appropriate at the same time. It's also not only about how you dress, but also about how you hold yourself, your posture, your body language, which also impacts your confidence and how you communicate. So now that we've talked about Jenna's story, And we've talked about the challenge of getting gaslighted when it comes to executive presence. And we've reviewed a generally accepted definition of what executive presence actually is. I want to share three things with you that you can do if you want to improve your executive presence. The first is if you ever get feedback that your executive presence needs to be improved or even if you don't get the feedback and you think you can improve on your executive presence, get specifics. Ask for specific examples of how you have not exhibited executive presence to date. Ask whoever is giving you feedback to describe what strong executive presence looks like from their perspective and ask them to point it out in the moment. The reason why you want to ask for as specific as possible examples of how you may be or may not be exhibiting executive presence is for two reasons. The first is that context matters. What one organization constitutes for having strong executive presence may look very different at another organization. So you want to get specific examples. The second reason you want to do that is because you want to make sure that you are not making assumptions. Assumptions on what you need to work on. One organization may talk about executive presence in terms of speaking capabilities. Another organization might talk about executive presence and use that term to cover your clothing, right? It can be very, very different and you don't want to make any assumptions and go down the wrong path of working on something that's not going to help you show up more confidently and help you demonstrate your capability of being able to perform at a higher level within the organization. The second thing you can do if you want to improve your executive presence would be not to jump to action. Now, I know that probably sounds counterintuitive, but hear me out. Getting feedback about your executive presence can be really tough. In some instances, it can feel like you got a punch to the gut. Don't brush over that. Give yourself the space and time to feel whatever you feel when you first get that feedback. Then check in with yourself to determine and ask, is it true? Is the feedback that I just got true? And if you're not able to answer that question, then ask someone in the organization that you know will be honest with you. Now, you might be thinking, well, what if I don't believe the feedback is true? And even if there is any truth to it, even if you don't like the messenger or how the feedback was delivered, then you still work on it. And if you don't believe that the feedback is true, that's the time for you to circle back to the feedback giver and state that. Let them know that you do not agree with the feedback, but that you want them to tell you in the moment, to point out in the moment when you're doing it or not doing it, where you need to be improving when it comes to executive presence. And the third thing that you can do if you are looking to improve your executive presence is don't use being authentic as a reason to disrupt just for the sake of disrupting and not work to improve your executive presence. Every place where people gather, there are rules of conduct. Some are explicit, others are implicit. And whether you stay in your company or go to another one, or even if you start your own business, there will be expectations about your executive presence that others, whether it's your boss, whether it's your colleagues, upper management, or clients, will want from you. So working on your executive presence does not equate to you being inauthentic. I've heard that time and time again, particularly in the last two to three years, where it's actually being leveraged now as an excuse not to work on your executive presence, even when you know you need to work on your executive presence. Okay, so let's recap the three tips. The first tip is to ask for specific examples so you can decide whether you agree with or disagree with the feedback that you receive about your executive presence. The second tip is don't jump to action. Gut check the feedback that you receive. And if you can't feel it out with your own gut, seek out your own evidence. And you can do that by asking someone else you trust within the organization. And tip number three, Is don't use being authentic as a reason to gaslight the organization to flip the script, right? If you know that executive presence is important, don't assume or do not act as if being authentic is a direct opposite of improving your executive presence. Now, if you're someone who's received feedback on your executive presence, or maybe you haven't received feedback, but you know for yourself that it's an area you want to work on, then. I'm working on something right now that's just for you. It's a course called Mastering Your Executive Presence that will give you the skills and confidence you need to continue to build your executive presence. The idea to put this course together came from you the women i've worked with and who are in my community who've shared the desire to work on their executive presence but who aren't quite sure where to start if this is you then stay close because i'll be releasing mastering your executive presence in the next few weeks and i'll be previewing it with my vip leaders on my mailing list so if you want to be amongst the first to get the course make sure you sign up for the leader lowdown and i forgot to mention the course is completely free so, you can sign up for the leader lowdown at services.thechangedoc.com forward slash community. Again, that's services, period, thechangedoc, period, com forward slash community. Or you can use the link in the show notes. So, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I hope you found the episode helpful. And as always, if you have any questions or comments about today's topic, or if this is a hot topic for you and you simply want to continue the conversation, let's do it. Send me a message on LinkedIn. Until next time. Three, two, one, yeah. That's a wrap for this episode of Leading Her Way. Thanks for tuning in. If you have thoughts, questions, or ideas for future topics, connect and send me a message on LinkedIn. And if you enjoyed today's episode, subscribe and please take a minute to write a quick review on Apple Podcasts. Your review will help spread the word to other ambitious females so they know they're not alone and that this podcast is a community of support for all of us leading her way to the top. Remember, your leadership is needed. Your leadership is powerful. So lead boldly. Until next time.